It's another Saturday morning here in CCLN when we chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's and his wine chat. Good morning, Jack. Hi, Denny. How are you today? I am doing quite well. Looking forward to 61 degrees. How about you? <laughs> Does that sound good? I'm looking forward to St. Patrick's Day being 100% Irish. It ought to be a national holiday. But uh, <laughs> Yes, yes. I can't believe it's up so quickly here. That's right. There's a lot of wonderful things that are Irish. The word whiskey comes from the Gaelic uskaba, which is obviously, uh, they I won't say they invented whiskey, but they had a lot to do with it. As a matter of fact, you know, people talk about St. Patrick in Ireland and how he educated the folks with a clover describing the Trinity. Well, the wags that drink, of course, described it to folks with a clover describing the Trinity. Well, the wags that drink, of course, described it as St. Patrick saying what kind of wines there were, red, white, and rosé. Or, in the whole spirit category, beer, wine, and whiskey. But the Irish have had a great tradition of wonderful food, wonderful drinks. Of course, you know, nothing is more popular than Irish whiskey. And it, Irish whiskey is an interesting thing. The origins of Irish uh, or Irish coffee, I'm sorry, and Irish whiskey, I'm going to talk about in a minute anyway. But Irish coffee, you know, it really was invented at Shannon Airport. There were, when Shannon was a uh, airport for uh, float planes, big float planes would cross the Atlantic and first land in Shannon because it was the closest landfall. And they would leave from there, too. And this is in the early years of aviation, you know, in the 40s. And the uh, fellow at that airport, when people had a coffee in the morning before they took off to fly to the United States, he'd put a little Irish whiskey in it. Well, the same guy went on to California where he took a job at a rest, uh, bar, actually, not even a restaurant, called Buena Vista. And it's at the end of the line at, uh, down at the wharf. Uh, for the streetcars in San Francisco, and they are really the ones, the Buena Vista Bar, that made Irish coffee popular. And, of course, the classic recipe for Irish coffee is two parts whiskey, four parts coffee, one part cream, and a heaping teaspoon of sugar. And, of course, when they make that, they do it, and they float the cream on top of the coffee. Of course, the Irish went on to invent Irish cream liqueurs, and that changed the liqueur industry dramatically. You know, you, people used to drink Cointreau and uh, Tia Maria, Drambouille, etc. After dinner, we'd have a whole bunch of different cordial staff. Well, with the introduction of Irish whiskey or Irish creams, uh, all of those different liqueurs sort of fell off, uh, and Irish cream mixes up with them. In fact, today. If you put an ounce and a half of Irish cream in your uh, coffee in the morning, you have sort of an Irish coffee, and it's really uh, quite a pleasant drink for sure. You know, the Irish, I think some wag may have been even Winston Churchill said, don't bloom very well on their own soil. And there's some truth to that because the Irish were in the wine business. Of course, in Ireland itself, the first winery to open up only opened 12 years ago. Uh, prior to that, they didn't have any wineries there. But the Irish were responsible for Leoville Barton in Bordeaux, Chateau Lynch Bage in Bordeaux, 
Thelon Segur, Bordeaux, Leoville Poffier, Bordeaux, Kirwan, Quaylon Segur, etc. So the Irish had that. And as a matter of fact, and talk about them blooming elsewhere, for people that had great difficulty defending themselves against the English, if you look at the Arc de Triomphe in France, all around the very top are Napoleon Bonaparte's field marshals. And of all those field marshals, four of them were Irish. So they were great generals outside Ireland, but not so hot at home. Uh, another Irishman, Joe Kennedy, is really responsible for Scotch's popularity in the United States. Prior to Prohibition in the United States, Irish whiskey outsold Scotch whiskey about 350 to 1. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, of course, on the repeal in New York Harbor, Joe, old Joe Kennedy, Jack Kennedy's father, had three shiploads chuck full of Dewar Scotch. And that changed the habits overnight. In New York, all of a sudden, scotch became the thing to drink. And Irish whiskey was pushed way, way in back, and nobody drank very much of it. Well, this started to change in the 90s, when Irish whiskey became, uh, began to become popular again. As a matter of fact, for many years, the place on the mall, the local, uh, was the largest seller of uh Irish whiskey in the United, in the world. They sold so many Irish whiskey. I think it was Bushmills um, that they sold so much of. But the fact is that right in Minneapolis, we contributed to that record on a consumption of Irish whiskey. But it's changed a lot. When I started 50 years ago in the spirits and wine business, there were two distilleries in all of Ireland. Today, there's 43 distilleries making Uskabah or whiskey, and Irish whiskey is once again getting popular, getting up close, not still a ways to go, but close to back to pre-Joe Kennedy on the Scotch market. It's very interesting. Of course, my favorite meal is an Irish seven-course meal, which is a potato and a six-pack. <laughs> At any rate... Irish uh, also have invented what's called the black and tan, which is stout over ale, and that thus the two colors, and it's a very popular drink there. Of course, as is Guinness beer, which has been popular all over the world for a long, long time and is synonymous with uh, Ireland. And Bushmills, the whiskey we mentioned a little earlier, that distillery was founded in 1608. So... The Irish are very familiar with spirits and hard goods, and they have a very successful underground uh, where they make their homemade stuff. It's called poteen, and believe me, poteen, if you ever had any, is very potent. It's a very powerful thing, and I frankly don't like it very much because it tastes like raw alcohol. There's no flavor to it at all. But anyhow, uh, things have changed in Ireland. It went from a third country in Europe, third world country in Europe, uh, to the forefront in the early 90s when it became kind of uh, the Silicon Valley of Europe. And uh, the sophistication and change was dramatic. Uh, prior to maybe 1985, very little uh, wine was imported into Ireland. And today, you know, 35 years later, uh, their per capita consumption of wine is absolutely in, 
incredible. And, you know, everybody, of course, thinks corned beef and cabbage is a big Irish dish. Well, frankly, when I first started going to Ireland a long time ago, you couldn't find corned beef and cabbage because corned beef and cabbage was an American dish. Uh, the Irish lived in the ghettos with the Jewish folks, and they would go and buy a Jewish brisket of beef. It was the closest thing they could get to a side of bacon, uncured. And corned beef and cabbage became very popular as a boiled suffer, and it's popular today. And in a minute, I'll tell you some of the great wines you can have go with all that. Of course, fish and chips is popular all over the United Kingdom, and that uh, salt and you put the malt vinegar on top of the chips uh, and also on top of the fish is just remarkable. It's called pub grub, that kind of food. They're bangers and mash are sausages and mashed potatoes. And, of course, Irish stew. Who can deny the pleasure of Irish stew? It's absolutely delicious. And, and of course, the Irish beers, Guinness, Harp, Kilkenny, are but a few. And I think some of the best smoked salmon in the world, uh, with apologies to my Scandinavian friends, because Norwegian smoked salmon is pretty good, try Irish smoked salmon sometime. You might be surprised. It's really quite a delicious thing. And, of course, all of these Irish dishes uh, have different wines that would go remarkably well with them. With fish and chips, Gullner Veltner is a good one. And incidentally, with fish and chip, champagne is very good because they're usually salty, and champagne just cuts right through with its sharp acidity and blends beautifully with something like fish and chips. Uh, it would be a funny thing to sit and drink a bottle of very good champagne with fish and chips. But Albarino from Spain is another white wine that I think goes with fish and chips very, very well. Uh, Mutton stew is just great, and uh, or lamb stew, and they use mutton, which is a full-grown sheep, and it has you know more robust flavor. And I find uh, that a good big Bordeaux uh, from either bank, right or left, would be perfect with that mutton stew. And bangers and mash, something softer with that, uh, like a Santenay from Burgundy, would be absolutely delicious. And, of course, we've talked many times about Thanksgiving shepherd's pie. In uh, Ireland, their shepherd's pie is uh, how they use up the lamb stew. The first lever is lamb stew, and then they put mashed potatoes on the top, and that's their shepherd's pie. And that is really a delightful dish with any light uh, red wine. An Oregon Pinot Noir would be just perfect with it. And, of course, the Irish, as I said a moment ago about the smoked salmon, their Irish salmon is quite delicious. And that, too, with an Oregon uh, Pinot Noir would be an absolutely perfect match. They have another dish in Ireland, as they do in many seafaring countries, called Colcannon. And Colcannon literally translates white cabbage. And what it is is mashed potatoes mixed with cabbage and then uh, served. And uh, they can add other things to it, like scallions or chopped onions or leeks, things like that. But uh, the colcannon itself is really delicious, and it can be uh, very, very good to have. And I, with that, I'd have something from New Zealand, one of those New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, like Silver Beach, would be a delicious one to have with it. Of course, the British have something called bubble and squash, bubble and squeak, I'm sorry. 
and uh, bubble and squeak is the same called cannon, but it's fried. They do a little patty, and then they fry it. And very often, bubble and squeak is served for lunch, and sometimes served alongside eggs and sausage for breakfast in England. And uh, the Irish drink or eat that bubble and squeak as well. So if you're going to have corned beef on cabbage, have a soft white wine. If you're going to have a red, have Merlot or Pinot Noir. And we'll just have a little toast to the Irish of doing so much in giving the world whiskey and many, many other things. Of course, their sense of humor is great, too. And maybe that's why St. Patrick was taking that symbol of the Trinity and the wags were putting it with the three types of wines and the three types of alcoholic beverages, beer, wine, and spirits. But whatever you do, of course, you'll enjoy yourself on St. Patrick's Day a little more if you have either a nice cup of Irish coffee, a glass of Guinness, or perhaps have one of those Irishman's wines that came from Ireland and went to another country to plant them. Incidentally, we have lots of Irish folks who've come to this country. The most notable was Concanon, who was a pioneer in the Simile Valley out in California. Concanon wines were originally financed by the Archbishop of Mexico for his friend Mike Concanon. And uh, that's how the, and that, incidentally, because of that, Concanon uh, survived all during Prohibition because the church, and, and even the Mexican church, were buying their altar wines from Concanon. But the Irish did play a role in spite of never having any vineyards in the wine business and the spirit business for the entire world. And here's to the Irish. God bless them all. Yes, I agree. Here, here. I'm only half, but I'm 100% come uh, this week for sure. All right, all right <laughs> Jack. Irish, That's right. Well, uh, let us know where we can find all these great ideas you always have. Indeed. And, and incidentally, we have that wonderful thing is back, that 6 for 60 celebrating spring, a spring 6 for 60. There's Pinot Gris, a white Bordeaux, uh, Merlot, Shiraz, uh, Cote de Rhone, and a red Bordeaux. 60 bucks, 6 for 60 for spring. There's a bottle of wine in there to please everybody. And, of course, Haskell's has lots of locations. There's a store down in Bloomington. There's one in Excelsior. There's one in Faribault right off of 35. Our super seller in Maple Grove is not to be missed. And Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Minnetonka at Ridgedale in Plymouth in St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, the folks at Haskell's do deliver and we're wishing you all from Haskell's a very happy St. Patrick's Day and do drink in moderation. Very good, Jack. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and all the good folks at Haskell's. And we'll talk next week. Same to you, Denny. Thanks so much. Look forward to it. Me too. Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Uh, Get those lawn and garden questions ready. That's coming up next hour with Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Expected high today near 61 degrees.